0: I do not care about that number at all. All I care about is the swipe up feature.
1: Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome to the Imperfect Company podcast. I'm Arlena. And I'm Mariah. And before we dive into this week's episode, we have beef with Starbucks. (laughs) So much beef. I'm like, I feel like so stupid, (laughs) like having this beef with Starbucks. I've loved them for so long. But Mariah is a true Starbucks lover. She is also a caffeine addict. And it's so funny because so many times before we record, she's like, all right, well, I'm going to run to Starbucks and then we can record. Or... (laughs) we'll be texting about something and she'll be like, yeah, I'm just running out to, to get my Starbucks fix. And this week Starbucks broke Mariah's heart and we wanted to talk about it in this week's intro. So Mariah, can you please share about your experience and what happened and what's just what's going on? Yeah.
0: (laughs) So I, for those of you who don't know, I am a not a coffee drinker. I do not drink coffee. So I have like very few options when it comes to like ultra caffeinated things. It's like, I either do like tea or energy drinks, but the nice thing is that Starbucks has a non-coffee alternative. That has lots of caffeine, which is their refreshers. And I don't know if you guys have been following like in the news or really it's like on TikTok. It's is huge is like Starbucks is changing their menu. They are out of literally everything, which is just a testament to what time we're living in. Cause everyone is out of everything, but. They have consistently had my favorite drink, which I normally get a black tea with the strawberry refresher, and I don't get any water in it. And that's because if you don't get any water in it, they just give you the concentrate, which is extra caffeinated. And I am very addicted to caffeine. It's a horrible problem, but I also need it to function during the day. I went to my local Starbucks and I love my local Starbucks. They're so nice to me. I love them. They always make my drink perfectly. And then this time they made it totally wrong. So I went in and I was like, this doesn't taste anything like my drink. Like it just tastes like tea. It tastes like super watered down. I don't taste any strawberry. And I feel like the only reason I'm like so hyped about this is because like it is the one thing that like gets me out of the house besides going to the post office that like makes me happy and excited to go out. And so that's why I'm like, Pissed at my Starbucks, but
1: anyway. And it's called self care, right? It's like giving yourself something to look forward to and it's like a treat. Like for me, it's going through a drive through and getting like a large sweet tea. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. It's like I don't do it every day because that would be excessive. I just do it on like the days where I'm like, okay, I feel really tired or I just really need a break. So I go get myself some Starbucks and it's the perfect drink. I love it. I've been obsessed with it for years. And they got it wrong this time. And I was like, what is happening? So I went in and I talked to like my wonderful baristas. The baristas there are like angels because they provide us with what we need the most, which is caffeine. And um, they talked me through it because I was like, this doesn't taste like strawberries. And she was like, oh, okay, I-, I can make it for you again. And I was like, okay, yeah, that'd be great. And then she starts pouring the like refresher out of one of the like tea jugs that they have at Starbucks. I don't know if you actually go to Starbucks or not, but they have like the jugs for tea, and then they have these little cartons for refresher. And so she started pouring out of something different. It turns out Starbucks changed their manufacturers. And now the, I guess the refreshers are like four times the concentrate. So they have to pre-mix it with water, which means I can no longer get it without water, which means I can no longer get my ultra caffeinated, super sweet, like tea and strawberry beverage, which makes me so sad. I was like, I saw John right after my boyfriend and I was like, I think I'm done with Starbucks. I think I'm done. Like I can't do it anymore. So that's my drama for this week. I just like, I don't know. I think I need
1: to find a new place or a new drink. So if you haven't caught on by now, we are being obviously sarcastic when we say we have beef with Starbucks um, because we don't. Um, Well, we do. We do have a problem. And that is that Mariah can no longer get her favorite drink. Um, But obviously, corporations don't care about individual consumers and they just want what is best for the masses. Um, and so we get that, we get it, we understand it, but also like Mariah said, it's a huge bummer because she has that to look forward to now it no longer exists. And now she's going to have to go soul searching around the area to find her new, like pick me up. And I do think that's important. And I love that you brought up like that. It gets you out of the house instead of going to the post office because as a business owner or anybody right now who works from home, especially with obviously so many people working from home with COVID, the majority of whom love working from home, uh, me being one of them, obviously, but you know, going for a morning walk or grabbing lunch or going through the drive-thru and picking up Starbucks. like, And it's just something nice to look forward to. So if you are a Starbucks barista who can tell Mariah how to hack the system, because I know they have like the secret drinks or sometimes people know how to order things like in a special way. If you work at Starbucks, and you have tips for Mariah, DM us on Instagram because we would love to be able to hear from you and what your advice is. Or if you have another drink that you think she might like based on what she said, um, we'd love to hear it. Because I love supporting my local
0: businesses wherever I can, but most of the local like cafes and things, they specialize in coffee or tea and regular tea doesn't have enough caffeine for me because I... Need that extra jolt. And I like something like sweeter, but I'm not like, yeah, it's like every place has coffee. So I haven't found the right place. Though I did see that I guess Panera is coming out with some sort of, I don't know if they're lemonades or what, but I guess they're like extra caffeinated. Uh, I forget what they call them, like chargers or something like that. So I'm gonna have to try that, but. I really would prefer, I think I might do like a little scavenger hunt and just try something new every day and see if I can find one that compares because like as much as I love Starbucks, like I can change. It's just the only reason I've been going there is because habit and because I found my favorite drink and I, that's my comfort zone.
1: We'll definitely have to keep everyone updated on social. We'll share on our stories about her drink journey if she finds <laughs> something and we'll be sure to share it. We love sharing recommendations. So we'll be sure to share on the podcast too when and if the moment happens. It's funny because I'm the same way. I also don't drink coffee. So my go-to is like getting a large sweet tea from a drive through or if I'm by like a Sonic, I'll get a cherry limeade slushie. But I went through this heartbreak, I guess it was two years ago now because I think it was like, some, at some point in like the summer or late summer of 2019 that I went through this with Sonic actually, because in Kansas, I lived really close to a Sonic. And so I would go in the middle of the day or on my way home from work, whatever, and get myself a slushy especially during happy hour. Or if you are a Sonic lover, you'll know that it's always happy hour in the app. So you can order ahead and save a little bit of money. But my favorite was a blue raspberry, green apple slushy with nerds. Mm. It sounds weird, but it was the best best combination of like blue raspberry, which you can't go wrong with, but also like the sourness of the green apple. And I love their slushies with nerds. Cause it's just fun. Anyway, it was something for me to look forward to. Same thing. I freaking loved blue raspberry, green apple slushies with nerds from Sonic. And late that summer, I, like I said, I think it was 2019. I went one day and they were like, Oh, sorry, we don't have any green apple flavoring anymore. And I was like, Oh, when are you going to get it restocked? And the drive-thru employee was like, um, I don't think that we're going to be carrying that anymore. And I was like, what? So I ordered a cherry limeade slushie, which I also love, but the blue raspberry green apple slushy with nerds was my original go-to. Whereas now I have shifted, but it was so funny because I get up to the drive through window and I tell the employee, I'm like, Hey, um, this is going to sound really dramatic, but like, is your manager around? Like, and he was like, yeah, let me get her. And I was like, Hey, so he told me that you guys aren't going to have green apple flavoring anymore. Is that like a corporate decision or like, I'm just looking like it's my, one of my favorite parts of my drink. And, and it was so funny because she looked at me like I was crazy because I am, but I was genuinely curious, like it, wait, what do you mean that you're not going to have it anymore? And sure enough, they sure don't. And then sure enough, I Googled it and they had again, like simplified their menu a little bit and gotten rid of a bunch of flavoring. And, and one day I hope they bring it back, but I also get it because obviously green apple flavoring is like not like the most popular thing in the world, especially for slushies. Like, I don't think I would just get a green apple slushy. but it was so good with the blue raspberry and nerds. So I went through a similar thing where like my go-to pick me up just disappeared. And so I experimented for a little while with different flavors, but decided the cherry limeade slushy was, was a good go-to. I still occasionally get blue raspberry with nerds without the green apple, but it makes me sad because I'm like, I wish there was green apple in this. <laughs> it's just like so funny the things that we get
0: like attached to and like it's like something like so like trivial and stupid but for us it's like a little piece of like you know joy and that's like what we're sad about and not like the actual thing and like starbucks like or sonic getting rid of things it's like our little piece of joy it's not going to be
1: the same anymore. And so, and change is hard guys, you know? Well, and I don't know about you, but I am so picky. So I also hate the process of like trying new foods or drinks in that way, because it's like, well, I'm going to order this thing. And then what if I really don't love it? And Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, well, great. Like, and granted it's just a drink. So it is like a little bit of a cheaper experiment, but still it's like, oh, am I going to get this thing? And then I'm going to hate it. Or am I going to get like a very small portion? And then it's going to be like the next best thing. And I'm going to wish I got a large, like, or Mm -hmm. whatever. I don't know. I just overthink that stuff where I'm like, (sighs) I hate like, yeah, I'm definitely a creature of habit. And I like just having my go-tos and i sonic if you're listening which you're not i miss the green apple flavoring let's start a petition (laughs)
0: uh now now that we've talked about beverages for 12 minutes or whatever um it might be time to get into today's episode
1: Okay, so let's go ahead and get into today's topic. And we are talking all about vanity metrics and you all know how I am about my definitions. So I wanted to share an official definition of a vanity metric. And I'm gonna use a definition by Tableau, which is a visual analytics platform that you may have had to use in college or for work if you're familiar with their platform. Tableau describes vanity metrics as metrics that make you look good to others, but don't help you understand your own performance in a way that informs your future strategies. Obviously, the first vanity metric that comes to mind for most of us is going to be social media followers because it's a big one. But it's important to remember that any metric can be a vanity metric depending on how you interpret it. So what's the opposite of a vanity metric might be the next thing to cover before we jump in. And that would be an actionable metric. So again, I'm just going to go with the definition from Tableau. And this is a clearly defined measurement that delivers valuable insights related to business objectives. So the difference between the two is whether or not the data actually helps you make an informed decision about the direction of your products, your services, or your business in general. So yeah, a lot of what we're going to be talking about is like, is
0: that difference between when you're comparing yourself to someone else, especially on social media, it's really easy to get caught up in this idea. Like, oh my God, they have a hundred thousand followers. I bet their business is booming. I bet they have tons of sales and they're making a million dollars a year or whatever. But it's not like that. And so you have to take a more analytical approach to it. And you have to figure out what is going to be the most beneficial for you and don't get swept up in those
1: quote vanity metrics. One of my favorite quotes, and I feel like I share this all the time on Instagram and it's perfect for this conversation is that comparison is the thief of joy. And so if you are always comparing yourself to others on social media, you're going to take all of the joy that you can get out of your interactions with your customers and other business owners that especially as a small business is what makes social media so much fun. Yeah. And we
0: do it all the time. So don't even worry about it. Comparison is rough. And we all have those days where we are just obsessed with comparison and figuring out whether or not we're doing better than the person next to us on social media. But today we're just trying to get you to take that next step and figure out what exactly those metrics that you're so focused on are telling you and use them in a way that's going to benefit your business.
1: Yes, exactly what you said, benefiting your business. Because before we can pay attention to any metrics and even know what they are or interpret them, we need to have goals because otherwise metrics actually don't mean anything to us because we don't understand the why behind what we're tracking.
0: Yeah, it's just a bunch of numbers. Like you're just seeing a bunch of numbers and you have no indication without those goals what that number actually means in anything, like it could mean absolutely nothing for you. And that's Why having those goals is so important?
1: I love the example you gave just a minute ago about the number of followers and that translating into business success. Because the biggest and most important thing to remember is that followers does not necessarily mean customers. Having a hundred thousand followers on Instagram doesn't necessarily mean that you're gonna have a hundred thousand customers. Mariah and I want to do an entire episode on goal setting for your business because again, it is the foundation for everything that you're going to do on social media for any launches you might have whether it's a product or a service having goals that relate to your business allow you to plan for a marketing strategy and again allows you to take a look at a number of metrics whether it's your social media your emails your website your etsy analytics and kind of set some goals for yourself so we're not going to go in depth in this episode about how to set goals, but it's just important that when you're looking at your business, the best question to ask yourself when looking at your metrics is to consider whether or not it's actually going to help your business achieve its goals. So for example, if your goal as a business is to have the swipe up feature on Instagram, Mm -hmm. then tying goals around the number of followers you have on Instagram is probably an important metric for you to track. And of course, like the vanity part of social media can be and often is fun. You just have to be sure that you're also consistently like putting in the hard work that's required to like for lack of a better term, like map out your business success. Again, like what products are doing well, what posts of those products are doing well. And obviously we all know, and we've talked about it before that the algorithms, depending on the social media platform you're on does of course impact this. But again, it goes back to why having a marketing strategy and involved and engaged customers is the most important part.
0: Yeah, and you see that too with the algorithms. Instagram now—you've seen like the posts going around where it's like, um, likes are the least important part of it. Even though you see those, they're the first things you see. You see how many people like it, or how many, or like some of your followers. Or people you follow that like it or whatever. Now Instagram is putting more reliance on things that are actually engaging people, like um, saving a post on Instagram, sharing it to your story. Even though I heard some rumors that they're like trying to get rid of that, like the share to
1: your story, the little airplane guy which is ridiculous. Um, Instagram, this is uh, Mariah and I's official like voice signature on the petitions against uh, doing that because it harms artists and content creators, especially. Yeah. Cause now, yeah. Okay. I could get into that, but that's a whole, I think we don't even know if
0: that's going to happen because Instagram changes all the time, but yeah, now where possibly a few years ago, likes were one of the most important things or comments. Now they're they're trying to make the algorithm work better to avoid those vanity metrics and focus more on true engagement where someone can type in a little comment, that's fine. Someone can press the like button, but that doesn't mean that they're fully engaging. Where a save button or sharing to your story is getting that post out there, saving it for later to return to. That's definitely more
1: engaging. Personally, I think that putting any sort of weight into the likes that your post get uh, makes it kind of hard for you to actually track like the interactions because think about yourself as like a personal user of Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok. Like you might just scroll past a post and double tap it, hit the like button, and Never think about it again. But think about the posts that you care enough to comment about, or like Mariah was just talking about, sharing on your story, or even sending it to others that you think might be interested in it. When I reflect on myself, like as a business owner, I of course always like when. Instagram shows my post to more than just like the absolute minimum of my audience. But at the same time, I get so much more joy and like motivation out of my social media when I get comments or messages from others, right? Like if my post gets 2000 likes, but it has like one or two comments from people who regularly engage on my post, I think that's great. And I love hearing from people and I always love commenting back to people. But when a post gets... 200 likes, but has 20 comments from people that again, I engage with regularly on social media or new customers who just found my profile from this post. I mean, I just think that means so much more as a business owner, because you know, that somebody's like taking time out of their day to like sit and comment and reach out to you to make this connection. And I just think that is like one of the most magical parts of social media.
0: Yeah, I I think when you when you're talking about likes, I feel like it's really easy to get caught up because the way that the algorithm has been going, especially on Instagram, you do not get nearly as many likes. Like I used to get way more likes when I had less followers like a year ago. And now it's like If you focus too much on that, you're like, why am I only getting 200 likes on this post, even though I have 15,000 followers? Like, that does not feel good. Now, with the way the algorithm's going, it's like, okay, well, do I need to focus on that? Does that even matter? Because I am getting 20 comments. I've gotten, you know, 150 saves. Like, you go and look at those little metrics when you have like a creator or a business profile where you can see. How many people are saving it? How many people are sharing to their stories? Whatever. If you focus more on that, it's going to feel better and you're not going to get so caught up and like feeling crappy about yourself just because like a tiny, tiny little portion of your followers liked your your picture that you are obsessed with.
1: And this is one of those topics where Mariah and I could both go on like deep, deep, heavy tangents about the topic. (laughs) And we won't because of course we're going to do a hundred episodes where we're going to talk about things similar to this. Um, and it changes all the time. But but what I'm trying to get at is social media planning. So obviously looking at your metrics for your social media posts does matter to an extent when you're planning content because you obviously want to know like what posts are people liking or engaging with or saving more because you probably as a business owner want to create more content like that if it's something that you enjoyed doing. To give an example of this that I think is probably something we can all relate to, um I think about my Instagram versus my TikTok. For my Instagram, I have like photography lights set up and I'll sit down at my desk and I'll film a video that I want to share to a reel or whatever and It might perform well, it might perform subpar, whatever. I do it because I like taking those videos and I know that my followers enjoy watching them. But then I think about TikTok and I think about how I will post a video sitting on my couch at night with like the worst lighting ever. And then I'll post it, not think anything about it, wake up the next morning. And when I log into my TikTok, all of a sudden notice that like that video has been seen by you know three times the amount of people that are following my account. Yeah, to be honest, TikTok's like algorithm
0: and situation is such a mystery to me. I do not understand it at all. And all you want, it's like on TikTok like the goal is to go viral because so many posts go viral where you see they're liked by like 700,000 people and they had like no no followers, no videos and this one video went out, but I just do not understand it, but I enjoy it a lot because When you get down those rabbit holes of videos, it's like they show you the ones that you want to be shown. But when it comes to being a creator, it's just such a mystery. And I am trying to unlock that mystery and it's not working.
1: Yeah. And it's funny because to me, like, I love that mystery. Like, I love just like... Mm -hmm like, I don't even think about it. I just don't care. I'm like, you know what? I can't control TikTok. I cannot control the algorithm. And as a user, I freaking love the algorithm. Like you said, like it literally reads my mind and gives me exactly what I want to see 99.9% of the time. So like, (laughs) I do trust TikTok's algorithm to like show my posts that need to be seen to those that need to see it. And, um, to me, it's been like really refreshing because, Again, like I can put in effort to create like really cool content on TikTok if I want to, but I feel like I don't have like, and maybe this is just in my own head, but like the same pressure that I feel on Instagram to create like more um like curated i guess might be the right word like more picture perfect like content where like on tiktok i don't even care about that and it just makes i think like creating so much more fun um and i think it kind of like helped me rediscover my love for instagram like especially like last year when they introduced reels like at first obviously i was unsure about it but like i also love being able to you know watch and like scroll through reels endlessly at the end of the night like do i love instagram's algorithm no but i'm one of those people where I just don't, I try not to think about it. And I try just to plan my social media around like what I want to be posting and what is fun for me to post because personally, that's just not a huge sacrifice I'm willing to make. I just, if I focus too much on the other things, it just sucks the fun out of it for me. So, um, so yeah, I think that's been kind of like the beauty of TikTok being introduced and like the more casual content. And I think I even read, like, I don't know if it was an article I saw on Facebook just being shared or something like that, but somebody's saying that like Instagram trends are predicting that like less curated content will continue to get more popular on the platform because of people's preferences changing and what they're seeing on TikTok. As a business owner, that is like the most exciting thing because it's like, uh, I would love to like not have to even think about what my feed looks like or what cover image I want to put for this post. No, I totally get that. There's some sort of
0: pressure with Instagram. And I know we're going to do an episode later that goes into kind of that feed dynamic, the uh, aesthetic versus genuine. But I think a lot of the pressure relies on, you know, that vanity metric that we're talking about, which is follower count. And when you see on Instagram, because both of us have, you know, a fairly significant follower count if you think about all those people in a room you're like "Mm, that's crazy but on TikTok it's kind of like starting fresh and like I don't have very many followers I think I have like 30 which is great because then I'm like not feeling that pressure to like post something perfect or post like you know stick with my same themes and stuff and even though I post them on Instagram and like the dynamic is very different there's just something about that that I mean if they actually are gonna if there's gonna be less curated content that's gonna be great. I already don't really curate my content that much and my feed is like like I just post what I want to post, but I would love to see that more cuz that's what I enjoy about TikTok and why I probably spend more time on TikTok than I do on Instagram these days.
1: And of course, we've talked about this in the past and we're gonna talk about it a hundred more times in the future, probably way more than that because you hear it from us all the time. But it's that like, as a small business, most of the time people are not buying from your business. They're buying from you, like as a human being. And I think that like the less curated, more casual content is what helps you like connect with your audience and, you know, turn those connections into friendships. And it can be scary to like post, you know, personal things on the internet. And you should always have a line in the sand to like what you're comfortable with. And if it's anything like what I've experienced, like what I was comfortable with posting, like the first month I started my business has changed so much now that it's been a few years and my business is so much more of my identity. And so it just feels more natural to, you know, share about when I bought a wedding dress and to share about Adam and I's wedding. And and like, you know, you sharing about you and John buying a house. I mean, it it's just feels so much more natural to have those personal stories out there because obviously the people that are buying from you are real people and they want to know who you are and what you stand for and who they're supporting. And personally, I waste a lot of time on YouTube and watching videos because uh, my attention span is very short. And so a lot of times I want to just take like 10, 15 minutes and watch a YouTube video and take a break between something I'm doing and just kind of, again, have like a mental break. Obviously, uh, I am a millennial. And so I grew up also watching a lot of YouTube, like before it was the YouTube that we all know now. And I think that's been like the biggest like conundrum for me, again, like as a user of YouTube is to see these people that like I used to connect so much with watching their videos and a lot of them I still do. But I also feel like I outgrow. Well, I guess actually like they outgrow me like they start posting content that just like it's not relatable or like funny for me to watch anymore because, you know, their lives are completely different and it's nothing negative towards them. Like, obviously, I am cheering people on for their success. It's more of just like, again, personally, I like consuming content that feels more relatable to my everyday life. And I feel like
0: with those kind of people, the people that you do see changing like that, I feel like there's a big, a big correlation between, you know, them getting the new followers, getting lots of followers, and maybe not paying attention as much to what content more people are commenting on, more people are interacting with, more people are sharing. That brings it all back to setting your goals. And if you set certain goals like, yeah, okay, one of my goals for this year is to get 10,000 followers just because the swipe up feature, that's literally it. I do not care about that number at all. All I care about is the swipe up feature and being able to give my followers the ease of just swiping up on my stories so they can get to my products and my services and all that. But And you're
1: so close. So I hope like by the I'm time so that we close. post this episode because we were recording in advance like that you'll be over that 10,000 and have that freaking swipe up feature. I hope so because
0: it's really like it has been such a slow climb. And uh, I mean, it's fine though, because really, when I look at the vanity metrics of that, like, yeah, okay, I'm going up very, very slowly, but. My interactions are higher. I'm getting more messages. I am getting more interactions
1: with my stories, um, more views. Um, You booked out for the entire year of 2021 in January of 2021. So fuck vanity metrics. Yeah, seriously. Okay, so the, the best indicator of this is
0: at the beginning of 2020, I was not making nearly enough and I was definitely not making a full-time income with my business. And I was at, I don't know maybe at the beginning of 2020, I was at like maybe 8,000 followers. And so I've only grown like one and a half thousand or whatever over the last year. But my business has grown exponentially where I am making so much more money. But you'd think that if you focus just on follower count, that my business is kind of the same as it's been. But the follower count has no indication. It's really just like you know I'm growing steadily or whatever. But when I see behind the scenes and I see all of the interactions and um, people messaging me and wanting more information about my business and the especially like the difference between say the likes that I get on like a wedding stationery post versus a branding post. The branding is what gets all the likes and what brings people to my page. And while I don't post about that all the time because that would be kind of boring, um, I do focus on that and I notice that and I know what to put more of my effort into.
1: Right, and that might be different if you hated doing stationary, but you don't like you love it. And Mariah and I also feel very passionately about like not having to pick only one thing that you love as a business owner. And so, um, you know, I think again like you're in charge of your content. So never forget that. Like focus on the vanity metrics when it's fun. And of course, let yourself enjoy it. Like pat yourself on the back when a post goes viral, pat yourself on the back when you have new followers. Like at the beginning of 2021, I hit 17,000 followers and I still felt the exact same way I did when I remember waking up at Adam's house years ago, having 500 followers. Like it is the same like insane gratitude that you just can't put into words until you experience it. And you should enjoy those moments because again, that's what makes social media and owning a business. Like so exciting. You also can't let that be what keeps you from pursuing other things in your business. Like, well, I only have a thousand followers. So that means I can't do this. Screw that idea and make sure that like, you understand that there are people with a thousand followers or less than that, that make four times what Mariah and I would make in a year with our businesses with more followers because they're not customers. And so don't let that hold you back. And I think that what we're talking about right now leads us perfectly into the stupid emails and messages that we get that you all listening probably get too. Mariah, why don't you tell us a little bit about those stupid ass emails and messages that um, everybody gets? Yeah. So
0: if you have an Instagram account, I, and you have, I think that there's some correlation between having your email like on your page. There's some people that say that they get a lot more when their email is like on there so they can do it. But like the ease of customers, like, gotta have that on there. But still, if you've been on Instagram and no matter how many followers you have, you get the messages of like, you know, how like I'll get you 500 followers for $35 or whatever. And same with the emails were like, they try to trick you by saying, oh, we think your content is great and it should be reaching more people and this is how you can do it. But, you know, I always delete those emails and I learned really fast as my follower count grew that even though my follower count is growing slowly and I could pay for 800 followers or something to get to that 10,000, those 800 followers are literally going to be for vanity only. Those followers are most likely bot accounts or accounts that will not engage with you. It's also one of the issues with um, things like giveaways. Uh, Giveaways can, if you do too many of them, you're getting all these followers because they want to win the prize, but they have no, they don't want to interact with you. They just want that possibility of that prize.
1: Right. Like there's a difference between somebody who's like following you because you are offering free things all the time and a customer who like loves your things and would love to be able to enter this giveaway to have another one of these things or something that you're launching. Yeah. Like, and not that giveaways are bad. Like I do giveaways every once in a while, small things
0: that, you know, celebrate, a big milestone in follower count or in my business. Like when I get to 10,000, it's going to be exciting because I have the swipe up feature and that's the only reason. But um, I'm also planning on doing a giveaway and hopefully that giveaway, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to do like a free branding thing, like like a really big value, but something that I can Dang. work on. But that might that might bring more customers. Just like, okay, I'm probably going off on a tangent because like I did... Like, I love things that not only get the word out there, maybe start interacting with new people, but also bring you more clients in the future. So you have to do it in a way that's interacting with your current customers and hopefully brings in the right type of people. So depending on what your giveaway is, like you want, like if I gave away branding, I want people who are interested in branding or business owners to follow me, they might actually able to interact with me in the future, rather than just for that one thing, it's different than me giving away like a pair of yoga pants.
1: Right. And, and that was, you are reading my mind because I was just about to interject and say the same thing because, because I think that you and I, and like people in the creative or like art industry have a better experience with giveaways sometimes because you're giving away something that is relatively niche. So like the people who like are going to follow and comment on that post are Most of the time, like interested in this specific thing that you are offering. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think giveaways can be hugely important, not just for building community, but also like more importantly, and I think what you and I use them most for, it's like rewarding your community, like rewarding the people that are there and like engaging with you. And um, a lot of times the ones entering are people and names that I recognize from people who purchase from me.
0: Yeah, I could care less if I gain more followers because I'd rather someone and the people who already follow me and interact with me are more likely to be the ones to join the giveaway. But I would rather reward them. And that's the same way, the same exact way I feel about feeds and stuff, which we I know we're going to have an episode about. But um, like, uh, I base my feed and what I post on my social media for the people who are already following me and not the people who are going to follow me in the future. And I mean, it works, I guess, like the way that I do my, I run my business on social media, it must work because, you know, people are following me, but if you're not too focused on those vanity metrics, then you can focus more on the things that are actually going to benefit your business and the things you enjoy doing.
1: And everything that we're talking about comes back to strategy, right? It comes back to like having those goals and knowing like your target audience and making sure that your marketing strategy aligns with that. So for some people, giveaways are gonna be great and group giveaways are gonna be great because maybe those other people have your same target audience, but there's a lot of situations that I see and I scroll past and I just don't know how it would serve a business owner. And a lot of that takes like experimenting. And the other big thing about marketing is it's different for everybody like what works for me, isn't going to work for Mariah and what works for us might not work for you. And it just takes experimenting and figuring out. And again, like, because that's the double edged sword, right? It's the thing that makes it so much fun. Cause you get to experiment and see like what your audience likes and what you like to post. Um, but it also is what can a lot of times stress business owners out. And I think something that we have to mention is like, as a business owner, if you're only relying on social media, like if that is the only way that you market your business, you are making a huge, huge, gigantic, I can't even think of a word (laughs) to show like, (laughs) to say like how big of a mistake you're making, because you could wake up overnight, and something could happen, right? Like you don't own Instagram, you don't own TikTok. And, and so it's important that you're funneling people into your website or your other social medias or your email list. Like that's something that I think I have not done a great job at is funneling people into my email list. And it's one of my 2021 goals is to actually like get a lot better about that and more intentional. And part of that for me has been like working full time and having a side hustle, right? You know, I had to kind of focus on where I put my efforts and, you know, building an email list or sending out emails all the time was not one of them as we kind of get towards the end of this episode, that would be, I think Mariah and I, both can agree. That's probably one of the biggest mistakes we see is somebody who maybe only uses Instagram. And it doesn't mean necessarily that like you have to have a website to be successful. It just means that you have to understand, like, if you're wanting longevity with your business, you need to be experimenting with multiple platforms and making sure that your audience members that are truly engaged with your business are the ones that have an opportunity to be engaged with your business on more than one platform. Yeah. So I think, Along with focusing on multiple avenues, so
0: not just social media, but also personalizing how you see your metrics and focusing on them. While I don't do a great job of this. I want to get better and I do try to focus on it, but make sure that if you are creating your goals and you want to focus on social media or on your website, on your blog, whatever you're trying to focus on, make sure that you are finding the right metrics. Don't focus too much on the vanity metrics and really just play with it. Like Google Analytics are crazy and you think about that and it's just... mm.
1: I look at it and I'm like, I don't know what any of this means. But I mean, like you're bringing up a great point because that's kind of, it's like, as a business owner, you don't need to know it all because you can hire to fill the things that you don't need, but it is important for you to have, especially like at least a general understanding of your metrics as they pertain to your goals, because if you're going to hire a virtual assistant, for example, to manage your social media for you, and part of what they do is like an Instagram audit and like reporting to you every other week or once a month or whatever, you know, you've paid them to do on how your social media is performing. It's important to remember that, like, there are a hundred and one places on the internet where people can buy followers and buy likes, or you know, somebody can be texting all their friends, like, "Hey, go like and comment on this post." Like, and it's not that everybody is doing that because obviously the majority of people are not. It's just that you want to make sure that nobody's going to take advantage of you, and that you know, if you're paying somebody to service your business on a specific thing, that if the, at the end of the month all they bring you are vanity metrics and they don't bring you any actionable metrics that pertain to your goals you know that you need to revisit like what metrics you want to be tracking and how you want to measure the success of like your Facebook ad campaign or you know your Google advertisement campaign or whatever it is that you're doing. So through this
0: whole episode, as much as we want to give you like exact metrics that you should follow, it's going to change business to business. My business, I focus on different analytics than Arlena does. And if you just Google analytics that might help my business or whatever you want to Google, it's going to come up with a lot of different things. It takes a lot of trial and error. But if you focus on those things and you do that work on that back end to set goals that actually are going to make your business grow, then following those metrics is going to be really easy because you already know how it's affecting your business and you're not getting overwhelmed by just the sheer number of metrics that you possibly have
1: exactly it is so easy to get overwhelmed but when you know what your goals are and you know what metrics relate to them it means that you are only consuming the data that you need to consume that impacts the way you make business decisions and with that being said this is the end of this week's episode we hope you guys enjoyed and we will talk to you guys next thursday with a brand new episode we hope you have a great rest of your week bye y'all bye Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Imperfect Company Podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to follow us on social media and join our community. You can find us at Imperfect Company on Instagram or at Imperfect Company Podcast on Facebook. If you want to follow Mariah, you can find her at MJ Creative Co. on Instagram, or you can find me, Arlena, at Bossy Brushstrokes. For direct links to our social media and more about today's episode, you can find all of those show notes and more at our website, www.imperfectcompanypodcast.com episode seven. If you enjoyed today's episode and you haven't already, we would love if you would please rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is you listen to podcasts. Our theme song is Clocks by Brasco. We can't wait to talk to y'all next Thursday.